0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Bulldog fans everywhere. Uh, we are back at the maroon, Mike, and happy opening day to those of you that observe. Uh, I've, I've already gotten the date of the first game confused uh, for my favorite team, so I'm 0 for 1 in that regard, but uh, Daniel is uh, locked and loaded.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I've got everything, like, ready. It is the greatest day of the year. Uh, Like, I've got multiple TVs set up. It is going to be a fantastic day today. Let's go, Rangers.
0: As uh, usual, I'm your co-host, Colton Watson, and this is your other co-host, Daniel Faulkner. I already mentioned him, so he doesn't get to introduce himself. (laughs) Uh, So is it the greatest day of the year because it's the Masters and baseball, or are you saying that Major League is better than college baseball? Because I would propose to you the greatest day, day this year was February 18th.
1: Well, you know, so Colton, I'm going to give you a little story here. So like, I love college baseball, my heart and soul, but um, I'm going to go to the Bible here for something. Uh, John writes uh, to one of the churches in Revelation to like, go back to your first love and there he's talking about Jesus, but you know, I'm going to take it way out of context um, and say my first love was the Texas Rangers and and like mlb i mean I, I was watching major league baseball when i was three years old and i knew what all the stats meant by the time i was five like i knew everything and i i love it so much and like i don't know i'm it's it's also the master's day i have that uh tiger woods on the background right now so it's it's a it's a great day um but no like I, I just opening day is always just one of my favorite days of the year i I, I, it's a tradition to like, you know, either take off work or, or you know, be a degenerate and skip school. Uh, so hopefully my parents aren't listening. Um, and, yeah. <laughs> I'll
0: send this directly to them. Oh, boy. The, uh, but, yeah, real excited. I got my – which I, I wear this hat every day now. So I uh, got my Braves hat. Uh, lowercase Hank Aaron era. A for those of you that are wondering, I don't, I can't be, I can't be mistaken for an Alabama fan with that other logo. Oh yeah. Honestly, that's most unfortunate fortunate um, thing in the world that those logos are so similar and what almost as unfortunate as stupid Alabama fans confusing them because by now you got to know.
1: Yeah. If you're a supposed Alabama fan, you got to know. I've got my Texas Rangers shirt on right now, drinking out of a Texas Rangers mug. I'm going to put on my, Elvis, Andrews, Jersey. You know, the Rangers don't even play today, but I don't care. We're rocking um, and rolling. Yeah.
0: Um. So, moving on from that, a uh, little bit of news before we get into the baseball talk. So, we we skipped – kind of wanted to cover it all at once so that we didn't drag it out. But we skipped a couple weeks ago the Maya Taylor uh, news. Maya Taylor, elect, who's I've got a tremendous amount of respect for. I actually uh, – she was one of the first – friends I met on campus um, my freshman year and I had to help her and Chloe Bibby get to where the Perry was because despite being here all summer for workouts they did not know where the Perry was they were just used to the Union and Templeton and they were like we want to eat at the Perry one time I was like well here you go so that's how we met then I became a manager and, and Maya you know redshirted that year did whatever I have a tremendous amount of respect for Maya she's a heck of a basketball player a heck of a student athlete and a leader she's very eloquent uh, soft-spoken most of the time, but is still a, a, a feisty the, by the way she plays and a, a strong leader. She has moved on. She's going to uh, probably pers- uh, in pursuit of, you know, whatever graduate degree she needs. It'll be her sixth year of school because, um, she, like I said, I'm in my fifth year and we came in the same time, so it's easy for me to keep up with. But uh, she sat behind two of the greatest point guards in Mississippi State women's basketball history in Morgan William and Jasmine Holmes. And if you just look at the assist-to-turnover ratio of both of those players, you'll see why. You know, they're one of the be- some of the best. Of course, Morgan Williams still holds a school record for free throw percentage. Um, and then she became one of the best po- uh, point guards herself that we've had. So I was really excited for her, and I hope that uh, she finds greener pastures and can thrive wherever she's at. The good news, you know, that's a little bit of poor news, but we're still excited for Maya. But the good news, is that Anastasia Hayes, our leading scorer and all-SEC performer last year, has decided to stay another year. She has a COVID year left. She could have gone. She's definitely a graduate. This would have been her fourth school if she left. So you did kind of think you had a good chance to keep her. You know, she started at Tennessee, then went to Middle Tennessee State. Now her and her two sisters are both here. And, of course, her youngest sister redshirted last year. Again, I think that's her two redshirts. And I guess if one of those is a medical red She it doesn't count, but whatever – But Annie Hayes is here. She'll be back. And that is a huge, huge piece. When you return Jessica Carter next year, making her comeback, uh, hopefully she'll be good to go. Danae Carter will be back. Um, Jerkelia Jordan will be a major contributor. I think between Jerkelia Jordan, Anastasia Hayes, and uh, Aislinn Hayes and Jessica Carter, you've got four really, really good pieces. And then not to mention, I already said, Danae Carter uh, and even Charlotte Cole, be really, really good for the, this team next year. So excited! Sam Purcell has uh, answered one big question mark, and alongside of that, he's already hired two assistant uh, head coaches, and that's beneficial. I'm actually gonna let's see. Should we should we name those real quick? Let me pull those up before I get too carried away here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to. I wasn't even planning on putting that in our notes today, but now I've well. Here we go. I'm going to pull this up. Corey Irvin. Corey Irvin comes from Illinois, I believe. She is going to be an assistant coach. And then we also hired an, an athletic director for women's basketball. I don't know exactly what that title means.
1: I At- think it's kind of similar to what uh, Dave Emmerich does for football.
0: Yeah. That's Joy Williams. She's assistant AD, and she comes from – let me keep going. I think in the ACC somewhere. I think so, yeah. I'm looking at the Robbie Fox tweets, and i have to get through the entire baske- uh, baseball game to get to where <laughs> – maybe I should just go back up and, and click on the press release. I'm sorry, this is terrible radio for y'all right now.
1: Well, I'll, I'll fill it in. You know, um, I was thinking um, we hired one assistant coach from Virginia. Was that for men or women's basketball? Men's. Men's. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was James or Purcell. I mean, at Clemson. Joy Williams was at
0: Clemson. And then uh, 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 Corey was at Illinois. There we go. So we got two. And and for those of you all wondering, Corey Irvin, that's a, a woman as assistant coach. Good to have uh, – so you got some ladies on the department, of course. Just ladies basketball. I don't. I think if it's all dudes in there, you kind of have a little bit of a disconnect. Um, so the head coach is Sam Purcell. You got Corey Irvin and uh, Joy Williams. These are my here's my gendered language again. But yeah, you you go ahead and keep going.
1: I mean, yeah. Um, I think I think Purcell's got a lot to work with already. You know, like a lot of great talent to work with. And I think last year a lot of our problems came. Uh, from not having a an established big in the middle, right? Jess Carter oh, yeah. was out for the year. And that's where a lot of our problems came from, right? Danae Carter was becoming that player until she tore ACL. And then Charlotte Cole started to become that player. I mean, you saw like the, the amount of reps that they kept on getting under. Um, wow, did I already forget his name?
0: Doug Novak. Novak, how did I? I, I saw him yesterday at Dave's. He was there having a good time. Wow. Yeah. Under Under Novak, like,
1: with him, they, they're, they're both getting better. And so now having, like, the established, like, heir to Tierra McCowan back, like, it, it, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch the women's team next year. They're, they're definitely, like,
0: well, they've gone – so even if Jessica Carter had played all of this year and was still back next year, you'd be excited about that, but you wouldn't have depth. Just Denae Carter would have barely played. Charlotte Cole might not have played at all. That is true. And now you've got three players you trust right there, and they're all different. They're all very different. Charlotte Cole's tall, got length, is lanky, um, not the quickest, but can give you some good minutes and defends really well. Denae Carter is that tenacious, undersized, but plays bigger than she is. And Jessica Carter is just a classic big. She can stretch the floor a little bit. She can do the post moves. She's got uh, the width and the length and the height. It's in all, all three dimensions. So it looks like the suffering that we kind of went through this year is going to just be – we're going to be all the better for it next year because you develop those pieces. Now, that said, the Nate Carter tore her ACL in February. Okay, that's a, that could be a 10- to 12-month rehab. So I don't expect her to be ready in November. I mean, maybe by SEC play, she's ready. But still, that's she we're better for her having had having had that experience this year than we would have been. So sorry about that. Uh I, I wasn't even going to mention the coaching hires, and then I did, and then I, I didn't feel right to mention them and then not give those uh ladies the credit uh to be named. We are moving on to baseball, and man, uh we say that chicks dig the long ball, and if that's so, uh, they're beating them down with a stick at the Mississippi State dugout because six home runs against UT Martin on Tuesday. Did, did you get to go? I had class. I was listening, I still do this thing, and my teacher, I hope, is not listening, where I have one AirPod in and I listen to it on the radio during class, the <laughs> class of 10 people where I also had to give a presentation. And I I kind of I turned turn my AirPod down for that, but other than that, I was just listening to it the whole time. Yeah.
1: I got home from class at five o'clock and like I kind of sat down for a moment and I was like, I don't see myself standing up like for the next two hours. Like I literally sat down and did almost nothing for two hours. I was just so tired and, and wiped out. It was, a, it was a crazy day and I, I it was my fault for doing my stupid class ranking thing in, in during the class. And a lot of catch up, but oh well. Um, but it was a great game. We enjoyed
0: country. it. We enjoyed the class ranking.
1: I appreciate it. Yeah, it was I, – I got bored for one minute and, boom, it took up my next two hours.
0: So, uh, yeah, but we did – I did get to hear all of it. Did, you know, get the post game info. Uh, I really, really liked what I saw from the sticks and the pitching-wise. You know, Brandon Smith came in, gave me four innings, and I I, I was a little bit – a little bit iffy about him getting four innings. He threw 56 pitches. Like, yeah, I want him to be fresh for this weekend. I think we're going to need Brandon Smith on weekends. Um, and if and if coaches see it differently, I'd like to for them to explain that to me because I don't understand. Uh, I mean, obviously this weekend, you saved all your bullets on Sunday because you were getting hammered early in the first two games. So, yeah, I understand why Brandon Smith didn't pitch this weekend. But for most weekends, you're going to need it. But uh, he got four innings. And then I think they just kind of a spur-of-the-moment decision to go ahead and call it a run rule. But I wanted to see Pico come out and pitch. Pico did not pitch this weekend um, at all. So, yeah. and I don't think he pitched against Memphis. If, I was, if I'm checking, I'm pretty sure it was just Brandon, yeah. Tally, Casey Hunt, Mikey Tepper, and Jackson Christo threw against
1: Memphis. I have not pitched since uh, Alabama.
0: Saturday. Yeah. So, he has not – It this Saturday will be two weeks since he's thrown. So, I really wanted to see Pico. Hopefully, we'll see him this weekend in a low-pressure kind of situation. Um, just kind of get him some work. But other than that, I was really, really excited about last night because – and here's why um, just talking, keep sticking to pitching. Mikey Tepper might be, might be earning back some trust. Uh, he had a, almost a, per, a, a, it was a perfect inning. It was almost an immaculate inning. I think he threw 11 pitches, got three strikeouts uh, in the first inning. Did give up a couple base runners, but, um, or a base runner, if I believe. Let me, let me not lie to y'all real quick. Uh but Mikey Tepper, I, I said earlier on some other episodes that I don't know if he'll ever be ready for a high-pressure situation, and I still don't know if he's ready for a high-pressure situation. Um, did did have a walk and a hit, so a couple base runners for Mikey, and in two innings will work. But I do think he's ready for you know to eat up some innings on a weekend where maybe you've got a lead, not not a not a one or two run lead, but a lead, um, maybe a game where. You know, you're down a couple of runs and you're still in it, but you're not trying to burn anybody uh, just in case, you know, that's kind of a Mikey Tepper time. We'll see. He's, I don't think he, uh, I think his appearance on the weekend wasn't bad either. So I'm really uh, excited for that. And then Casey Hunt came in and threw a really, really good inning. Um, I'm hoping, you know, we kind of predicted uh, last week that by LSU time, he'll be ready to go give you some long relief or some, or maybe as a starter. Don't know about that. We'll talk about that in a second. I don't know if I'm ready for him to – if he's going to go out there and throw four or five innings this weekend, but I would love to see that. I, I think he's capable, and I think uh stuff-wise that he's there. It's there. He did good against Arkansas. You know, give up a solo home run when you when you are trying to, you know, just throw strikes and get through the game at that point. You tip your cap. Was perfect uh, against UT Martin. And I, I, I don't – again – Casey Hunt's not some answer. He's not just this knight in shining armor that's going to come fix everything, but he's one key piece to getting to where we want to be for sure.
1: Yeah, he adds so much depth, and I think just having him in, it, I think it would make a lot bigger difference than like not because he is the Landon Sims that like, you know, that Landon Sims was – but adding that other piece, I mean, that's another – that's one pitcher right there that whenever we throw him in the game, it's like, hey, I'm pretty confident going forward. A lot of the times, whenever we, we've put someone from the bullpen on the mound, we're thinking, okay, we only have a one-run lead. What are we doing? You know, like, like if, if it's not – really for me, like, this year, if it hasn't been Brooks Auger, like, coming out of the bullpen, I get a bit nervous.
0: That's yeah. just club And and I think now we're getting, I'm I'm feel I feel good if good's a strong word. I feel okay if Brandon Smith, Casey Hunt, Fristo or Auger comes out of the pen and, and probably throw Pico in there too, you know. And that's different than two weeks ago. Um and and part of that is is how good can you feel when you know what you've got. I mean, I'm never gonna feel as good as I'm, I'm not even going to go with the, the Landon Sims route. We have nobody in that same stratosphere. But I'm not going to feel as good as, you know, y'all remember Jerry Lee Belt in 2019 or Cole Gordon? Like, I don't – we don't have anybody like that even. But we do have – I feel a lot better about the bullpen than I did 10 days ago. I feel a lot better than I, I did about the bullpen this time last week. Yeah. Because against – even against Alabama, the games that we won, the bullpen almost blew it, you know. So – Moving on, uh, hitting-wise, you know, Luke Hancock's on fire. Um, I, I expect that to continue this weekend. I think he's really found something. Uh, I, if you notice, his swing looked a little off after the first two weeks of the season and then for the last couple weeks until Arkansas. You just kind of – he looked like he was getting his hands underneath uh, underneath the ball kind of, you know, dipping a little bit. Didn't see that on any of those home runs. And look out if he, you know, you know, he's not going to strike out, but if he's not, not only not striking out, but getting that ball over the outfield fence, uh, that's, a, that's a that's a dangerous hitter. You got all kinds, you know, that Cam James Brad uh, is dangerous. You know that Kellum Clark, Logan Tanner are dangerous. But I mean, look at this lineup right now after the one hole, and then until you get to the nine hole, and even if that's Tanner Leggett, even so in the nine hole. You've got some, some sneaky and also not-so-sneaky power up and down. I mean, Luke Hancock was looking like he wasn't going to hit double-digit home runs, and then he's hit four in three games, and now you're, you're going to be shocked if he doesn't. You know, it just clicked like that.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. He was hitting, what, 250 with a 400 on base? I mean, his on base is going to be 150 points above his average. I mean, that, that's just the kind of like approach to the plate he has. He's going to walk more than anyone else on the team. And, yeah, like, if he bumps that average up, I mean, who knows? before we know it, he, we could see his uh, his uh, on base getting closer to 500, right? And when you're getting on base 50% of the time, I mean, that's perfect for the three-hole. Because then you got Logan Tanner, who does better with guys on base at the plate with Luke Hancock, and potentially Cameron James or Jess Davis on in front of him. And I, I think – this little Luke resurgence here. Cause we, we didn't know, I I noticed we didn't know entirely what to do with the three-hole. Sometimes we put Hunter Hines there, sometimes we move Luke back to the six-hole. But I think now that he's starting to click, yeah, you know, like I said, his swing is back to normal. And I think he's the bona fide like three-hole that we've been, we've been waiting for, you know, and and it's it's exciting, very exciting.
0: Yep, looks like uh, Hancock is at 274 right now. That's up. It was around 240, but going into Arkansas. But his uh, on-base percentage leaves the team at 420. Cam James right behind him at 419. Logan Tanner at 409. It's your usual suspects. Um, speaking of, you know, Cam James, also Brad Cumbus. We saw, I thought, pretty good games from them. Even though Cam, I think he just had the the one hit. He had a, an he had RBI. He had um, – one hit and one at bat, so he walked. He had a sack fly, but we saw Cam and, and Brad struggle against Arkansas. I, and obviously, Brad's fine. I mean, Brad murdered three baseballs. I mean, that last the home run that he hit. When I say scorched, I, don't, I think I'm understating it a little bit. <laughs> he smacked that baseball. Uh, they're they're fine. Excited about those. Uh, I'm glad that the midweek win was encouraging. Again, the only. I, I, when I go and I approach midweeks, like what do I want to see out of, out of what players? Obviously, you know, not saying don't win the game. I'd rather see that, win the game. But assuming you win the game, what are we going to see? Uh, and, and I saw my, what do I want to see, and I hit most of those goals. I wanted to see Casey Hunt pitch. I wanted to see clean innings, no walks. We had one walk all game, and it was by Mikey Tepper. Love to see that. Uh, the only thing I, I lacked was, you know, what I would have loved is Andrew Wallin to come out there and throw three innings of, of perfect baseball. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're going we're going back to Omaha. But uh, that that's being a little bit too wishful thinking, a little too much wishful thinking there. I didn't want to see Pico pitch. And I think he would have if we hadn't called the game. Yeah. Last, mean, oh, keep going.
1: I was just going to say, like, I, I'm right there with you. I mean, if if we figure out our pitching – yeah, we're gonna get into a extremely optimistic mode. And you know, our 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 shows are gonna go from the almost, I won't say doom and gloom that we had the last few weeks, but almost I mean, we're still we're still at the level of a tournament team at the moment. We're like we'd go from almost that doom and gloom compared to what we're used to to, oh my God, we're going back to back. And we'll see about that. But yeah, you can go ahead with what you're gonna say.
0: I was just going to say, you know, before we get to talking about this weekend, uh, Baseball America had something very interesting. They, you know, it's time for all of those projections, you know, of the tournament, blah, 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 blah. And if you know those of us that, like Daniel and I uh, do, those of us that are with CWS247 and that kind of affiliate, you know, we're writing articles, we're doing podcasts, we're doing the baseball version of College Game Day now, tune in. You'll see that all over our Twitters if you're looking at it. And I'll probably need to retweet it on the podcast Twitter even. Um, but baseball America is not our favorite publication. And I I don't like to complain about them too much because I think all rankings are dumb. And, and I know that they they literally, especially those early rankings where you can't tell much anyway, they are going to say something sensational to get clicks. I mean, that's 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 the point. That's journal, that's journalism than today. And it's sad, but that's the way it is. But I did take issue with they've got us as the last at-large team in the tournament. The, as in everybody that makes the tournament behind us is going to be an auto-bid that wouldn't have made it without winning the conference tournament. I think that's a little bit disingenuous. And I guess they're predicting us to lose a lot of games, but I don't think we're the last team in the tournament right now, right this second. Uh, and I definitely don't think that we're going to, uh, you know, if you've looked at the past couple of weeks, with Arkansas, you beat Alabama. It looks like the season's only going to stay the same or get better. I don't think we're going to get worse than we were during that stretch where we lose to Long Beach State, you lose a game to Northern Kentucky, you lose to Southern Miss, you lose a game to some games to Tulane. That whole that little stretch right there, I think, was the floor. We're going to be somewhere in between that and our ceiling from that here on out. I don't. I just don't think that the last at-large team is where we are as a program.
1: Yeah, baseball America says a lot of ridiculous stuff. The one thing I'll give them credit for is they were right about Virginia all year. Props to them for that. They had them at number four to start the season. And they are like a top five team right now. But other than that, they say a lot of dumb stuff that's just not worth not really worth paying attention to. But it's like you said, they do that for the clicks. But you know, at CWS two four seven, we watch the games. Um but like
0: accurate poll every week.
1: It's an accurate poll. And I know, like, you have multiple people, you see where the votes are. And I think, you know, I know when I submit my poll, it's always like, you know, I can't watch every single game because, like, I'm watching Mississippi State first.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, like, I know my poll's not the best, but, like, everyone's polls put together is a great poll. It's a great poll. And uh, I think it's really good. But, yeah, so. Um, you want to talk about the the rotation?
0: Oh yeah, so it uh is it time? Are we making? Or, so let's just kind of recap. Preston Johnson, four innings, seven runs last week. Parker Stinnett, less than two innings, four runs. Um, Cave Smith looks good, just two runs through uh five innings, and I, I hate that his Ear race ticking upwards because it, it, he's doing fantastic, this Cave. But but he's you know mm-hmm. hit on the head and not getting to pitch that sixth sixth inning. I, he actually would have come down if he had pitched one more inning, and then he goes up slightly in his ERA. But he's right at three, exactly three. But is it time to – people are saying, you know, does Preston Johnson need to be a reliever? Do you move Casey Hunt in there? Do you put Jackson Fristo in there? Uh, does Cade need to be on Friday? Does Cade need to be on Saturday? You know, what – does Parker Stinnett not need to pitch as a starter? Like, what, what do you think needs to happen?
1: I mean, right now – I think I'll agree with what you said a few minutes ago. Casey Hunt's not yet ready to be back to like the multiple innings, like you know, four or five innings. But I do want to see him multiple innings this weekend. preferably like with a in a tight game. I, th- I think we'll learn a lot about him. I think this weekend, just based on circumstance, I think we have to ride with the same rotation. It is possible, possible. I know we had one person suggest um, moving Kate to Saturday and Brandon to Sunday. That is possible. I mean, assuming Kate is like all patched up and good to go. And well,
0: then, he, you know, he took a shot on the head. Everybody, all indications that he's totally fine.
1: Yeah. Uh, and Brandon, I mean, he pitched on Tuesday and he only threw 56. So that is another possibility. Right. And, you know, Parker, yeah, it was a rough outing on, on Saturday last week. I mean, we've been it all this time. Like, when he's at his best, oh, my goodness, watch out. But, like, even against Alabama, he had, what, five really strong innings, and that sixth inning kind of fell apart.
0: Mm-hmm. Here's here's the thing now with me. So, I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of keeping it the way it is. Maybe you shuffle some pe- some the pieces around in terms of what day they throw. Uh, you know, Cade has to go – or has to move a day up next week because it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday anyway, I heard. You know, maybe just go ahead and move him to Saturday this week so that he'll be on track um, next week. And he only threw – he threw less than 90 on uh, Sunday. I don't hate that idea. Here's my thing. I believe Parker has pitched a lot better at home for, for number one. Uh, he even pitched good against, uh, against Texas Tech in Biloxi, but that was kind of a home-like environment. Uh give Parker Stinnett a couple weeks to figure it out. You got two home stands in a row. And then if he if you run into trouble this week, then you can start to try to make a change next week. But here's here's my thing about that. With Brandon Smith, Jackson Fristo, Brooks Auger, Pico Kahn, even um Mikey Tepper. Jack Walker had a product some productive innings. You feel like you can afford to have a quick hook now. Used to. And this was the case on Friday with Preston Johnson. If they give up a bunch of runs, you just gotta leave them in there and just let them chew up innings and, and play for the next game. I don't think you have to do that with with at least one of these starters. With one of these, we have enough bullpen pieces now that you can piece together a game with a bad after a bad start and have afford to have a little bit of a short hook. Can you do that multiple times a weekend? Yet, no. I don't, there's I don't think you. Could, I, I don't think two of your three starters. Can collapse in less than three innings, and then you can afford to start making bullpen moves left and right. But if Preston, if Preston Johnson's game on Saturday, or excuse me, on Friday, was the exception and not the rule, you can afford to be a little bit less patient with Parker. So keep Parker where he's at. Um, again, if you move him on the days, I don't know how much of a difference it makes. Doesn't bother me. Doesn't. I'm not going to talk about that too much. I, I think it's apples, or excuse me, it's a six one way, half dozen the other. Almost said apples to oranges. That would be the wrong turn of phrase. But with Parker right now, you've got guys. You got left-handed, a left-handed arm at least. You got a couple different type of pitchers. You got a sinker ball pitcher. You got a guy throwing gas and Tepper and Casey Hunt that you can throw in there after him for whatever situation you need and feel confident. So. I also think, you know, some people are like, start Casey Hunt. I'm with you, you know, not yet, if at all. Um, some are saying start Jackson Fristo. I think Jackson Fristo could be your multiple innings back of the bullpen guy. Don't mess with that. You know, he, no offense to Jackson, it is not a stretch to say he might be fragile in terms of how ready he is to go out there and compete day in and day out. Let's not mess with it. So Let's let him do his thing. He was successful against Memphis and Arkansas in the back end of the bullpen. I'm good with that.
1: Yeah, I, I think my thing on him, um, you know, um, he, Jackson's a really great dude. I love love hanging out and talking to him. Um, and I, I see a lot of, like, Christian McLeod in him and the fact that, like, if you hit him in his confidence, it's hard to shake it for a bit. You know, and as a starter, that's hard. Because, like, in McLeod, we saw, like, if McClout was confident in himself and his curveball and his fastball, you weren't touching him. He would go eight innings. You know, he went eight innings against Alabama. Like, oh, my goodness, it was amazing. But if you get to him early, I remember Arkansas hit those three first-inning home runs against him, and it just wasn't the same. Virginia hit him early. Uh, Vanderbilt hit him early.
0: Well, hit him. He, he went through the order one time and then the second time.
1: Right, right. Um, or,
0: we, or we talk, or we're talking about the World Series game. The World, World Series game was very early. Yes, not, not the regular, regular. in the regular season game that was weird because he he was doing that's the only game where he started off great. He started off as good as you could be, and finished yeah. up as bad as it could be.
1: Right downhill. That was weird. I think I think Jackson. So my take on him is this right now. Um, I think he will. I like. I'm right there with you. I I like him where we're at, and I, I do wonder. You know, I mean. He pitched in a tight situation on Sunday. I mean, that was tight. What bases loaded and, and two outs, and he got that strikeout, like, and he was fired up. I mean, that was great to see. I do wonder, like, you know, if that had been a rubber match, right, not not a we're trying to salvage one game, but a rubber match, would the pressure have been a bit different on him, right? And, and I, I know Lamonis is huge on saying, like, we're not here to win series. We're here to win one game at a time. But, like, I, I don't think you can tell me that, like, a rubber match would not have been more, like, intense than, than just winning one game right there.
0: It does feel – it does kind of feel win. more intense. Like, I, I'm, I'm the same – I try to do the same thing. It's about games. It's not about series. But I will say this, you know, with a team like Arkansas, Yeah. Like it's about it's about going up there and, and showing those guys who 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 we are because it's been such a weird ser- uh, series group of series the past few years with them.
1: Yeah, it. it I mean, I, I, I. So my experience this year, you know, every time we've said first is ready, you know, he's taken those three steps forward, he'll take two steps back. Yeah, Let, let's keep building him up. He's not. He's not the guy, right? Also, like, he's not not the savior yet. We don't want to put him on such a pedestal to where, like, something that the only person who could ever achieve what what we're expecting out of him is Landon Sims, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like, bring the bar down a little bit, right? Like, Landon Sims was a a generational talent that we will probably never, ever have again out of the bullpen. Never. And that's something that we're just going to have to live with. We got to move on to what we have. That's not a knock on Jackson Fristo. I think mean, everyone on that team knows that they're not as good as him, right? And and everyone knows that. But let's let's work with what we got, slowly keep building him up, right? Get him, keep getting two steps at a time, you know, keep going up and up and up. And when you get these situations that he pitched on Sunday this last week, he'll be ready. Like he he'll be weekend ready to like, be that dude that whenever we need. We have a tight game. We need someone to finish it out. We're calling his name. We're calling 2-7
0: to finish the game. I like Picasso. All right. Um, Moving on, we're going to start talking about the LSU Tigers, the Bayou Bengals. Uh, Not much to say in terms of, you know, this isn't your grandfather's LSU. It's not the LSU of the 90s. It's not um, still a ranked LSU team but it's not a world-beating LSU team. Uh, Very interesting and and perplexing, confounding maybe is the right word, uh, with this team. They are hitting the ball well, very well, and they're pitching out of the bullpen very well. Uh, The starting pitching and fielding has been an issue. I want to talk about the fielding. 9.56 fielding percentage as a team, just so you all know, is not good. It's, It's not great. Having 45 errors in 29 games, that's an error and a half per game, just over an error and a half per game. That's not good. Conversely, if we just went to Mississippi State, and I thought I had them right here, errors, we've got 16 errors all year. They have 45. I mean, that's a big difference. Uh, 29 unearned runs, thats they've played 29 games. That's, 29, that's one unearned run per game, for those of you doing the quick math there. <laughs> No need, no help doing that uh, calculation. They've got three players fielding under 920 that have enough attempts to make it, you know, worth reporting, right? I'm not going to report a guy fielding under 920 when he's had three attempts, you know. But a guy with 32 putouts fielding 918, that's Jacob Berry. guy with 43 putouts is fielding 911 in Cade Doty. And you got a guy with 26 putouts fielding 877. That's not good. This is a team that can boot the ball around a little bit. And this is other, them and Ole Miss are both kind of in the same boat in SEC where they just can't get a glove on the ball. And you don't expect that because you got a lot of experience. Uh, everybody on this team seemed like they were either a, a dynamic transfer and Jacob Berry, or they were a young guy that played a lot of innings last year that should be running into form. And it's also confusing because they do have one of the best defensive first basemen in the country in Trey Morgan. Uh, they've got talent. They just haven't been able to really put it together. They've Made some shifting in the middle infield. That's where most of those errors are coming from, where most teams' errors come from, it's middle infield. And uh, the last thing I'll say to kind of – before we get into our typical breakdown is not only are the errors kind of a problem, but something I've noticed is close games. I noticed that they only have a couple saves all year. And so I started digging into that when I was digging into their pitchers. In close games, I'm going to say five runs or less, we'll call that a close game. And, of course, a five-run lead in the ninth seems like eternity, right? But But just – Kind of for sake of argument here, uh, so we're not splitting hairs. Five-run game or less, they've got six wins. Four of those wins are Tulane. They beat Bethune-Cookman in two close games. Bethune-Cookman out of the mighty swag, and McNeese. They've got nine losses of five or less runs. So in these close games, these highly contested, when they win, they win by a lot. But in these closer games, they're not—they're having trouble finding ways to win. That doesn't sound like LSU baseball. LSU baseball is about, you know, last-minute heroics. It's about finding ways to win tough games. It's about coming out of nowhere. It's about uh, big comebacks. And, again, I haven't watched every single LSU game to go ahead and tell you that there's been these huge comebacks. But I do know that a lot of these two-, three-, four-run games haven't gone their way.
1: Yeah, I was really high on the LSU team coming into the season. I mean, they're they're hitting just like I thought they would. I mean, when you're looking at that line that lineup,
0: now they're hitting well. They hit great at Florida. They are playing in a softball park, in Alex Box.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's a very small part, but still, I mean, like I, I can't take away from like everything they've done. They. I looked at that lineup preseason. I said I said they were going to be the best lineup in college baseball, and they're not entirely letting me down on that statement. I mean, bringing in Jacob Berry, obviously coming with Coach Jay Johnson from, from Arizona was a huge move. But, like, yeah, Dylan Cruz is – I don't think we're – I say we. As a college baseball fan, I don't think I'm appreciating Dylan Cruz as much as I should just the kind of talent that he is like that, that five tool player that you want. I mean, he's, I'm not going to say he's just a sophomore because I mean, he's playing very well and, and, you know, got more experienced guys like K Doty, but then also Trey Morgan, another almost generational talent. They're they're just a phenomenal team and they're a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I grew up watching LSU growing up near, near New Orleans. And so that was all that was on uh, before, you know, TV started to expand a bit more, but Man, they're 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 good lineup. It's like you said, that fielding is killer. That starting pitching is is something to worry about if you're an LSU fan. But so do you want me to look take a look at the uh, the starters for them now?
0: Yeah, uh, I'm gonna let you do the hitters because uh, you just talked about how you were so high on them, and I'll do the pitchers. How about that? Okay,
1: that sounds good. Yeah.
0: So uh, Blake Money, guy that's been there a while. He's a Friday night starter, and if they make a change this week, I won't be terribly surprised. But for all indications that they're going to kind of stick with it. But Blake Money, he's got a 4.7 ERA. That's the same as Preston Johnson, and Preston Johnson shot up last week, right? They're the exact same ERA. Two and two in 38 innings pitched, 41 Ks at 13 walks. So, you know, pretty good ratio there. He's not just a huge strikeout guy by any means, but he's not uh, walking a ton. Uh, his, his batting average against is not stellar. I'm, I'm getting a look at it right now. It's 229. That's actually a little bit better than I thought. I thought it was about 240. But he is a right-handed guy. Low 90s fastball. He's got a really good changeup and a, a, an okay curveball. But is his plus pitch is his changeup. He, he will try to get you out with the curveball, but it's not, you know, not his most dynamic pitch. Giving up six home runs this year. To compare, you know, Preston Johnson's given up eight. Brandon Smith's given up five. Eight is a lot. So, so that's kind of Preston's weak calling card. You know, it's, it speaks for famine for him. Lots of strikeouts, going to give up a home run. This guy, not the strikeout guy, but still giving up home runs. That's your probable Friday guy, your probable Saturday guy. We've seen him before. He's been there forever. He was a starter, then a reliever, and then a reliever again. And now he's starting again. McCall Hill- Hilliard or McHale. 4.34 ERA, so not lighting the woods on fire either. Three and though in 29 innings pitch, less innings than anybody uh, than um, Blake Money. 28 to five is his case to walks ratio. So if you remember, you know this is that guy. Remember in the SEC tournament a few years ago, um, we faced him before. He's got that Uncle Charlie curveball, right? But he was uh, he was hard to control. He was out of the zone a lot. This year, he's not walking near as many. Just five walks in 29 innings. He's not going to be pumping that thing in above 92, 93. It's going to be high 80s, low 90s on the fastball, but he's got um, a little bit of a cutter he can use. And like I said, that big 12-6 curve. That's what you're going to see with McCall Hiller. He has a 240 batting average against. So, again, very much not unhittable. And five home runs given up. So, there you go. So, you, between the two starters, they've given up 11 home runs combined. That's, uh, that's interesting. And then who I think will go on Sunday, and this is kind of going off of sources because – We're not going to know for sure until maybe later. I think they said that they're kind of a Friday afternoon announce type (laughs) is what I heard. So we might not even know today. But Sammy Dutton, another right-handed guy, he's only gone 16 innings and he's 0-1 or 16.2 innings, I should say. But he's got a 1.62 ERA. That's actually funny, 16.2 innings, 1.62 ERA. I thought that's kind of odd. He will walk you a little bit, 15 strikeouts to nine walks. Uh, so not a big strikeout guy, not a great control guy. He has two starts on the year. He is a freshman, and he's never gone more than 3.2 innings. So, of course, this week he'll go six innings of shutout baseball because that's how it works. Um, but I, I, maybe they're I, – I actually wouldn't be surprised if he went four or five this week. I seem like they're trying to kind of ramp up what he's able to do. But he is just a freshman. Um, he's only started two games. And I do feel like Sunday is their piece-it-together day. Now. Blake Money has given up three, five, four, six, and six runs in his last five starts. So if Blake Money gets moved to another day or isn't a starter, it would not surprise him because he has been not effective at all. He's given up multiple runs, more than two runs, in all each of his last five starts. Um, McCall Hilliard, he's gone six innings once um, in his career or in this season against Bethune. Cookman, so, read you know, between the lines there. It was Bethune-Cookman the only time he can go six innings. However, he was really, really good against Auburn. They did win that Saturday game against Auburn uh, despite losing the series. Uh, also, for the record, LSU has not won a Friday game in the SEC. Um, in those three weeks, they've lost the Friday game. Even though they beat Florida, they lost the Friday game. And Dutton hasn't ever gone long, but only has given up a few home runs. Going to get into their bullpen because their best pitching is in the bullpen. Their bullpen is way better than their starters. You got Trent Vittmeier I'm going to go with. Uh not a Cajun name but still difficult to pronounce. He's 1-0 with a 1.1 ERA in 10 appearances. 16 innings, 23 walks to or excuse me, 23 strikeouts to 7 walks, so that's kind of a, a strikeout guy for them. They do have 305 strikeouts to 108 walks total on the year, which is a slightly better ratio than us, although there is a lot less strikeouts. Not a lot less, you know, in one less game they've got 22 less strikeouts. So they are kind of a strikeout team, even though only a couple of these guys are really strikeout guys. I don't know how that works. But anyway, Vetmeyer 127 batting average against, no saves. So that low ERA guy, he has not, again, there's only two saves on the year, but he hasn't had any save opportunities it seems like. Eric Reiselman, he's one and one with a 1.53 ERA. 13 appearances and 17.2 innings pitched. Um, a couple of short in- innings guys are these two guys. He's got 30 Ks to seven walks, so he is definitely a strikeout threat. 179 batting average against, Once does have a save on the year. Bryce Collins, we still haven't got it to above a two ERA yet. He's 1-0 and with a 176 ERA. Nine appearances, 15 innings pitch, so he'll go a little bit longer. 18 Ks to 17 walks, so he will absolutely walk you. Um, and I'm actually going to check and make sure that that's accurate. Bryce Collins. This here says ten walks, so I don't know where I got seventeen, but that's still a high number in um in fifteen innings. So I'll change that to ten. But uh, God, I've already changed, I've already messed up here on my on my sheet. In any case, he is not going to um have a high uh, a lot of hits given up. He's only uh, got a two eleven batting average against. Paul Gervais is another guy. One and one on the year, three, two, four year race. ERA. So, he's given up a few more runs than those other two guys – or three guys. 13 appearances, 16.2 innings pitch. He's one of their most used guys in terms of appearances. Um, but, again, short innings almost all the time. 15K is the walks. walk so he'll walk you a little bit too. But a 145 batting average against. He's difficult to hit. Devin Fontenot. Devin Fontenot has started games. Feel like he's been there forever, hasn't he? My goodness.
1: Devin Fontenot, I know he was there my freshman year. Um, what am I? Uh, I called him uh Devin Fontenot not that good at baseball. Um, was <laughs> a name like I know a lot of people in high school named Fontenot. That's that's a Cajun name right there.
0: Yeah, Fontenot. very, very, very Cajun name. Um, yeah. he's uh been the closer before. He started, they tried him up, I think, one weekend start, didn't go well this year. Three, four, five ERA and 11 appearances, so still doing pretty good. He's one and one, does have the one start, 15.2 when he's pitched. 17 Ks, seven walks. So I think I think back in the day he was a big strikeout guy, and he's really not anymore.
1: Yeah, he was a lot better at that. I mean, he, like I said, he's one of those guys that I remember. I, I I really enjoy watching LSU. Don't tell anyone I said that. Um, but yeah, Fondo is one of those guys. He, he's been there so long, and I, I thought he was going to be one of their big starters this year. But you're right. Like he, I think A he just kind of got into him. You know how like sometimes a guy can almost get stale. Yeah. I mean, I Spencer Price is almost. Kind of like that, like he was so electric at one point, and just you've been in school. Over, so. We
0: over, we tore his arm up. We, we did. Uh, Mississippi State, Mississippi State. Spencer Price was mad at, and they're not. Spencer Price and Riley Self both love Mississippi State. Yeah, if they were mad, I would not be. I would not. I would see why because we wrecked their arms um, because we, we had we didn't have anybody else to throw. They threw throw in every game almost in uh in twenty as, as freshmen in twenty seventeen. That's neither here nor there. Um, Riley Cooper, 12 appearances and one start. So he's one of their most used guys. 15 innings pitched, 13 Ks to three walks. So again, not a big strikeout guy. 288 batting average again. So he'll give up a few hits. And then lastly, Grant Taylor. He's got eight appearances, three and oh, though. So this guy goes longer. And those eight appearances, he does have a couple starts. He's gone 19.2 innings. So this guy, if he comes in, he can uh, settle settle in for two or three innings for easily. 3.66 ERA, 23 Ks of seven walks, 208 batting average against. So he's kind of hard to hit too. So yeah, their whole as a team, they've got a 215 batting average against. And other than Sammy Dutton, who we think will start on Sunday, most of their starters, you know, they, Ty Floyd started a lot of games for them this year, and that's a guy that I don't know if we'll see or not. I think he's kind of uh, in a, in, a, in the the twilight zone a little bit. We might see him as out of, out of as a reliever. Their bullpen is the reason why their batting average against is so low as a team. Again, two fifteen because their starters Blake Money, McCall, Hilliard—they are, are second and first and second in total innings. Those guys have been hit. Um, so again, you got to kind of get a lead early against these guys. On offense, though,
1: Daniel. Yep they're uh, they're going to say the same thing about us, I think. And um, um how do I put it? They, they they're a great, great lineup i mean i said that earlier right i've been raving over this lineup all year um as a college baseball fan i really enjoy watching uh good baseball and i think LSG's is one of those college baseball is better when they're good teams um obviously like we have an issue with some of their fans but that's okay uh but like comparing our lineups i mean we're batting 270 54 home runs they're batting 307 with 51 home runs um they're scoring just over one more run than us per game. Uh, They they have 9.1 to our 7.9. And we're striking out a little bit, like, not, not way more. We're 8.1 per game, 7.6 per game. And we're walking almost exactly the same, 5.13 for both of us, walks per game. So we're, like, very, very similar lineups, I'd say. You know, obviously, they're better hitting, like, they're they, – they're thirty point. They're thirty seven points above us in batting average. That's why they're scoring more runs because we're walking the same way. And so when you're looking at it, I mean, the 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 guys that everyone knows about, Jacob Berry, picked to win uh, SEC Player of the Year, Dylan Cruz, also picked to win SEC Player of the Year. Two of the best guys in the conference. I mean, they they're phenomenal. Jacob Berry's hitting 371 with nine home runs and thirty RBI right now. He doesn't strike out much at all. I mean, he is a stellar hitter. LSU is lucky to have him. Dylan Cruz, 342 with eight home runs and 33 runs batted in. Another one of those stellar players that, like, they need to appreciate very much. I mean, like, it, it, the, the lineup here just it, – it's insane. Like, we, we do have our work cut out for us in our pitching here this weekend. Uh, then K Doty hitting 365 with seven home runs, also with 32 runs driven. in. That's three guys right there with 30 runs driven in. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we just have two, right? Kellerman and Logan Tanner.
0: Hunter Hines and Logan Tanner.
1: RBIs right now.
0: Kellum has 28. So Hunter Hines and Logan Tanner have, have 32, 30 and 32 respectively. Okay.
1: Okay. So, you know, they got three guys there with with, with 30 RBIs. Four. Four. Never mind. I'm going to pull up those. I got theirs I right now. They and, have uh, Joe Bert. Joe Bert. I, I never forget how to pronounce it. Joe Bert. Yeah, <laughs> 320 with 10 home runs and 38 runs batted in. Four guys above 30 RBI. Like they, they score runs. That's what this team does. And uh, the, in the words of Jared Carabas, uh, this lineup uh, does. Thing. <laughs> I'm not going to finish that statement. I mean, you Braves fans know, you Braves fan know what I'm talking about. Uh, and then another phenomenal, phenomenal player, Trey Morgan, best first baseman in the SEC right, a 331, two home runs, and 24 RBI. Another guy doesn't strike out much. And, and like, my goodness, they got two more guys uh, hitting around 300, a few home runs. I mean, it is a stacked lineup. And I think both – so both Mississippi State and LSU have very high upsides in their lineup, right? Whenever each one of our guys, two through eight, come up, we're thinking, all right, the potential here is, like, through the roof, right? Huge upsides. What are, what are we going to do, right? Like, hit a home run or strike out? Like The thing is, LSU up to this point has been living up to that upside where they have so many different guys hitting at extreme levels. If each one of our guys in that lineup starts to click and get better and better as we go, we're going to be just on that same level, right? Because we keep saying this all year long. Our guys can like. Get it if they can just get it going in a row, like one after another, like stack hits upon hits upon hits, we're going to be just fine. And that's what LSU's been able to do this year. They, they've been able to get get on base, get a lot of hits, and score nine runs a game. I mean, the only reason we're not at that level is because we have games like, you know, last Friday we just put up two runs. I mean, uh, what, sun, Saturday we put up five runs. Like some teams were able – Alabama Sunday, two runs. I mean, we, we've got to be be able to like stack those hits on top of each other to take advantage of the pitching. And like this weekend, we have to do that on Friday night against Blake Money or, or Hilliard or whoever it is going to be on that mound. Got to be able to get out there and just hit them early, hit them early. And we'll be in a good spot. So uh, that's enough of my little hitting – Talk. I, I I do think this weekend has huge, huge potential for a just bats galore. If you love hitting, watch Mississippi State and LSU this weekend. Or if you're a Mississippi State fan, which I guess that's the reason you're listening to us talk right now, watch the game, the games this weekend. It is going to be big time. But that kind of gets us to our uh, our keys to the game for the weekend. Yeah. Our, our, I'll start with mine real quick. I mean, don't give them free passes. Um, you know, like don't don't walk guys. Obviously, that means like, what's our rotation gonna look like? I don't know. I, that's why I'm not paid to be the coach because uh, I'm not I'm not that smart. You know, <laughs> like I I know baseball a lot, but I'm not I'm not as good as our coaches. I, I know that, and I trust them very well. But I really hope that our guys find a way to to you know. Not give free passes. Test their defense. They're only they're only field ninety five percent. Like test that defense. Make them make errors. Get their pitchers unearned runs. Let's tack on those runs and make them pay for it. Um, so that's that's my little key to the game right there.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna be right there with you. There's one major key. If there's you boiling if you're boiling this down to one thing, it's free passes. Don't walk batters, don't hit batters, don't boot the ball around. Cause they're gonna, they're gonna, you know, I, I showed you some of those walk guys. None of those guys just have an absurdly few amount of walks. Okay. They're gonna give you a few walks. All right, they've got 108 on the year. I mean, that's not just a really low number. They're gonna give you a couple errors too, hopefully. You cannot, you I would almost say just walk you like your normal amount and not what you did against Arkansas. And that goes a long way, but if you can keep it even lower than that, just like I said, one walking against UT Martin, that's kind of the stuff I'm looking at. It, Brandon Smith some innings because he's not going to walk people. You know, um, We're not going to lose LSU if they hit a couple solo home runs. I don't think we need to be scared uh, for them to hit a couple solo home runs. You know, Obviously, if it's tied up in the ninth inning or something, yeah, don't groove one. But if the second or third inning, if, the, if there's nobody on base, attack those hitters, Okay. I think offensively, you got to be patient with Dutton. Uh, But for the other starters, you know, they give up some hits. They're not going to walk you too much. So uh, I think Hillard's probably the best in terms of how many innings he has and walks. That's probably the best guy as far as not walking guys. So go up there and look into swing. I mean, go up there aggressive against everybody except, again, the Sunday guy, he will walk you a decent bit. So maybe be a little bit more patient with him. But – I think another good thing that you're going to uh, want to do, like you said, you mentioned hitting the ball on the ground. I think you're going to want to get, you know, Cam James, Leggett, Forsyth, McGowan, you know, Jess Davis, Brad- Braylon Skinner, all those guys involved in some bunt, some hit and run, and some steal situations because they really haven't are having trouble fielding right now. Uh, Tanner Leggett laid down a bunt that should have been a bunt for a base hit. I think they went back and changed it to a bunt for a base hit. But it was definitely a sack bunt that resulted in an error, in a two-base error that scored a run. Uh, against UT Martin he's gotten you a few bucks I think Lane Forsyth is capable of doing that too I, I, a little bit more of that small ball aggressiveness to me could come in handy in in, in putting pressure on that defense and even if you're not bunting square square around anyway you know make them think about it make them give them give these fielders a lot to think about take aggressive leads get a big secondary lead those types of little things you know tag up be looking to tag up, you know, trying to like get tagged up from first base the other day. Those kinds of things that make them make fielders nervous. Uh, and I think the last big key is your our starters have to be better than theirs. That's just no doubt about it. If it, if it is Johnson, Stannett, and Smith, those guys have to come in for five or six innings and leave with the lead all the all three games um, because their bullpens are gonna their bullpens gonna be pretty good at buttoning things up. I don't expect us to just tattoo any of these guys out of the pen. I mean, I just named seven guys under a three seven five ERA. Uh, that that is impressive, and there's more. I, I only named seven, but they've got more. So uh, they've got a couple of guys that haven't given up hardly any runs at all that I didn't name because of, of just a few appearances. Let's um really attack. Uh, on their starters and try to let all three of our starters leave with the lead.
1: That's good right there. Yep.
0: Leading into that, I'm going to say that we go two and one. I think a sweep would be huge. I think you get a sweep and you feel like you're, you're missing state baseball again. History doesn't tell us that, uh, that that's going to happen. History tells us we're going to lose this game, because this series, because we have, haven't have won it at home since 2003. That's crazy. You've won more in Baton Rouge than you've won at home against LSU in my lifetime. Uh, that, that doesn't even sound right. <laughs> but um, going to be a tough – I think we can do it uh, two and one. And I think, again, major key is going to be an unearned run. Somewhere, or I know I gave all those keys how the starters had to outplay, but somewhere down the road there's going to be a big bullpen performance that's going to be the difference in, a, in a, the win or loss.
1: Yeah. I'm going to go full uh, negative Nancy here uh, and say we, we, we only take one. Um, I'm going to go with history. I don't want it to be right. I really don't. But just looking at all the teams that we've had in, in years past, I mean, last year's LSU team wasn't that great. They, they found their way into Super Regional, and that was big for them uh, based on the talent they had. It was young talent. Now it's more developed talent. And just every single year, it just happens every freaking time. We just go play LSU, and they are a kryptonite. My entire life watching Mississippi State baseball, and you know, I guess it's really just since, I guess, 08 or 09, it's just kryptonite
0: that's still a long while yeah
1: like it's over 10 years of, of watching us play lsu and it's just always like dad is this year we're gonna beat lsu maybe so nope like it didn't happen. last year like taking that series from them enormous for the momentum right enormous for momentum and a really big time uh big time performance and like yeah i just I am i don't know like it I I'm gonna say we're not maybe in hopes of like reverse psychologying this whole thing around into getting a series win. I hope I'm right with that, but I I I just you heard me raving about their their lineup. They they mash, they just mash. And we're in for some trouble if we if we give those free passes. And I, I don't see us at this present moment. Like the team has to prove to me. That they will not give a crap ton of, of of free passes. It just I don't see it right now. We'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll see as we go into it. But if he takes two or three,
0: I'm I'm really nervous. I'm really nervous that we're going to go out there and walk the yard again. But I do think, again, call me crazy. One more big hit on one of those. Uh, either one of those games, Friday or Saturday. I'll, I'll go ahead and say Saturday because I think Friday we were pretty limited offensively. One more big hit on Friday, and then walks is it. I mean, that's that's all – Arkansas beat us. We beat ourselves in fail. And that's, and that's not to say that Arkansas didn't earn those wins. They absolutely did. They still have to lay off those pitches. They still have to stand in the box and uh, collect those walks, whatever. But I've never – there hasn't been a lot where I've thought, okay, yeah, one one thing was the reason that we lost that game. And that I think one thing was the reason we lost the series in Arkansas. Again, you could have hit better that Friday. I think we faced a really good starter, and that's going to happen. Uh, but walks and errors. On Saturday, again, if you get – I think Kellum Clark uh, had a sacrifice fly there in the first inning, but if he had hit a ball in the gap and then Parker Stinnett just doesn't walk people, that's a completely different game. So – Again, I said one thing. I guess I pointed out a couple things with the errors and stuff like that. We we fixed that one thing though. I like our chances this weekend.
1: I'm right there with you. It just it's like I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be that like voice of negativity. That's like they've got to, they've got to prove it to me first to to do it. And like,
0: I mean, if they want do... five guys for Saturday or Tuesday, I'd feel a little different too.
1: Yeah, I have hope though that we'll we'll figure things out there and. Let's hope that I'm wrong. I really hope we are. I hope I'm wrong.
0: All right, that's going to do it for today. Uh, We'll be back to recap the series on Monday. And then I guess our schedule won't change for podcasting next week, but y'all are going to have to tune in quickly because the series will start on Thursday. So if you're used to getting on Friday morning um, next week you're going to want to find some time to listen to that Thursday afternoon. Uh, and maybe we can get it up Wednesday. I will We'll see about it, but I don't anticipate that right now. Uh, and that will be two weeks in a row that we do that. We'll have a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series, which I hate. I hate it.
1: I mean, like, I get it for Easter weekend. I, I get it
0: for it. Easter, but also why it's a weekend that weekend. And, I, and I've already explained it's ESPN's fault. Yeah. Just so you all know, it's ESPN's well,
1: fault. And it should be this weekend against uh, – Against LSU, but that's all right. Uh You
0: know know what? Even proved it's ESPN's fault because they wanted to show the spring game that week. We're not even playing the spring game. When we play the spring game, we won't even be close to through with practice. We're still gonna have like another week and a half of spring practice after the spring game, which shows you. Mike Lee says, "I don't care when the spring game's supposed to be. If it has to be on this day, I'm scheduling practice the way that I've always scheduled practice." Which, again, leads me to believe ESPN completely ruined Super Bowl weekend for us. Or not ruined. It's not going to be ruined. It's just on Easter weekend, which is so dumb. But whatever. Until next time, as always, swing your sword and hail state